I'm Ronan McLaughlin, and welcome to Performance Process. And I'm Dave Rome. Welcome to Geek Warning. I can't mispronounce your name. No, 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 that's all right. Yeah, uh, a little bit of a role reversal on this one because Ronan went ahead and did a pretty incredible pit walk at TDU that uh, is so good on so many facets that we decided to run it as both a members-only geek warning and a members-only performance process. Uh, well, before I get into what I did exactly, what that means is that if you're hearing this and you're not a member, it means you're going to get cut off somewhere halfway through. Um, the full episode is for members only. So if you haven't signed up yet and you like what you hear in the first half of this episode, then head on over to escapecollective.com forward slash join. Uh, do that whole thing and you will not get cut off in future. Yep. And it's worth keeping in mind that the first half of the episode is great, so please tune into that whether you're a member or not. Just know the other half of the episode that if you're not a member, you won't get is just as good. So anyway, Ronan, what is what, this episode? Well, what is it? Yes, that is the question. It is a pit walk with JP Ballard of Suicide. Uh, now, Suicide might have come to a lot of people's attention in the last month or so as the new wheel supplier to the Cathon AGTR Le Mondial World Tour team. But actually, the wheel manufacturing side of Suicide's company is, I think, less than half, 50% of their business. The other 50% is as an aero consultancy uh, firm for many of the manufacturers in the World Tour. JP's own experience comes from sort of being a, an, an aerodynamicist in the World Tour and much of the sort of aerodynamic and performance optimization work he has done for many, many brands across the world here. So with that experience in mind, I grabbed a hold of JP and took him into the pits at the Tour Down Under. And team by team, we went through each squad's bikes, their wheels, their aero helmets, their non-aero helmets, their entire setup, and sort of critiqued each one in terms of how optimized it is for performance in the World Tour. Critiqued he did because uh, it's amazing that you were standing within a gazebo and yet he was still able to sh- throw more shade on top of uh, a lot of the bikes <laughs> being seen. There there were times we were outside the gazebo, so maybe that helped. But yes, there was a lot of shade thrown, a lot of question marks put out there and a lot of answers also in terms of, you know, what is the cost of running an all-rounder bike versus running a dedicated aero bike? How much of a gain is an aero helmet versus a, a vented helmet, and when you might forego that gain in terms of uh, it might be better running the vented helmet? Uh, what the different fabrics are used and what they mean? Some of the sort of wheel designs, some of the spoke designs are carbon spokes worth it? What what he is seeing when he looks as an aerodynamicist at each of the frames and what that might tell us about their their performance? Uh, and yeah, it was just fascinating throughout. Yeah. Kieran, so how do people listen to the full version of this episode if they are not currently subscribed to the performance process or the Geek Warning members-only channels? Very, very simple, Dave. Uh, you'll either get half the episode and as such half the analysis of half the World Tour teams. Uh, and if you want to get the rest, then you can head over to, again, escapecollective.com forward slash join. Sign up there. You can choose to be either subscriber or a member uh, you can choose a monthly or an annual package it doesn't really matter so long as you have signed up in some way shape or form to escapecollective.com you will then get an email with a one-time only link that you need to click do some hokey pokey stuff and then you will have the escape collective performance process and geek warning special member only episodes delivered to your podcast app of choice 
each and every time a podcast is released. Now, podcast app of your choice, excluding Spotify, because they don't really help us with this thing. Uh, and it's a, we can't really do this thing through Spotify. All the other podcast apps, uh, you will you'll you'll never have to repeat that process again. You will just get the full and uninterrupted episodes of these podcasts as and when they are published. Yeah. And I know uh, our colleague James Wong has gone through the entire process of giving his credit card details and signing up uh, to getting the, the podcast episodes in his app of choice in under 90 seconds. So uh, off you go. It doesn't take long. I wonder if you're wearing aero socks, would it be faster? Or arrow gloves, maybe arrow gloves would perhaps would speed one up for the... a future episode of performance process. All right, Ronan, that's enough of this. Let's kick it off. Uh, let's take it to where you are in the pits with uh, JP. Let's go. Welcome to a special episode of. Well, of Geek Warning and Performance Process Podcast today. We're coming to you from Tour Down Under in Adelaide. And, well, I'm going to be your host for this episode. My name is Ronan McLaughlin. I am standing in the standing in the pit zone where all the teams have just arrived back from the finish of Stage 2. And today, well, today I'm joined by JP Ballard of Swissside. Uh, and we're going to go, well, JP has an enormous and extensive history and vast amount of experience in working in aerodynamics, both in Formula One and in cycling now. Uh, this was said brand formed around about 10 years ago and is entering its first year in the World Tour with the Decathlon AG2R Le Mondial team. We have a full episode coming with, when I say full, I mean like we have a three hour long episode coming with JP. Oh, sorry in, about that, everyone. <laughs> in the coming days, in the coming weeks. Uh, we may well split that one into two. Uh, so I'll not delve too much into the background of Suicide and, and JP's own experience here today because we do delve into that in that episode. What we want to do today is we're going to take a quick run through these pits here and we're going to pick JP's aero mind, uh, his performance mind and try to yeah, just have a look around the different teams, what some teams are doing really well in terms of performance, in terms of aerodynamics, what some teams could be doing better, what has you a little confused and what has you, so especially some of the new kit, what you think is, is interesting. So I think maybe the best place to start is to get that, uh, let's say, conflict of interest that you have uh, out of the way and that you are you know, CEO and founder of Swissside. Swissside is now sponsoring Decathlon Editor Le Mondial. They're riding your wheels this season. You've also been involved in the development of that Van Riesel RCR frame uh, and their helmet also, the FCR helmet. Is that the best place to start? We're standing outside their team bus. Maybe you could uh, talk to us about that RCR bike, some of the, the details that went into it and some of the sort of background that you, you know on it. Yeah, uh, hi Ronan, hi everyone listening. Um, yeah, I mean, there's actually not such a great conflict of interest here um, because the RCR bike, we only did the wind tunnel testing of it. So the actual design of the bike was done from the Van Rizzle team together with Honora. And Honora is the uh, French aerospace agency. So with this particular frame, uh, we weren't directly involved. Um, however, I have to say we were really positively surprised when we uh, put it through our wind tunnel testing process to see how competitive it was. And we've seen it... Um, uh, as well during this race with the feedback of the riders and the way they're catching other teams without pedalings on the descent uh, that the bike really is a, a really great package. All right well with that in mind then um, is there anything they could have done better about that new Van Riesel frame or anything you're spotting about it? Um, presumably you know you've one tunnel tested it so you've seen this bike a long time ago 
uh, perhaps are already working on a follow-up. Can you give us any insight into the into the frame from that point of view? Yeah, I mean, I, the, I think the frame is a really good uh, a really good one. It's it's a compromise frame in in terms of it's a climbing bike. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, with a climbing bike, you obviously have to focus on reaching the minimum UCI weight limit, 6.8 kilos, with your given wheel set, which in this case is our Hadron Ultimate 500. Um, and uh, they've done a great job to achieve that, a great job in terms of the stiffness. So, you know, key things are bottom bracket stiffness, head tube stiffness. And from an aerodynamics point of view, you don't want to neglect aero on a climbing bike because in the end of the day, um, aerodynamics also plays a role on the climbs. And there's a lot of flats and, and downhills as well in the mountains. So uh, you have to have a good all-round bike. So this is very much a very good all-round bike. We're seeing a lot of manufacturers going to that one bike for all solution is there can you give like an average how much are you giving up how much are you leaving on the table by not going with a dedicated aero bike and oh i think you're, you're you're leaving at least eight watts if not 10 watts on the table at 45 to 50 kilometers an hour uh and uh you you can't do that so um it, it's really interesting to see the philosophies of of some brands because actually if you're going to have just one bike you would choose the aero bike okay um, however that said that's where maybe i'm i'm not totally correct is that the the Tour de France is one in the mountains and particularly with the way they're styling a taps now and they've got a lot of mountain finishes at 20%. If a rider takes 20 seconds on that sort of an attap and a weight penalty of half a kilo to an aero bike can play a role in that, then of course there is an argument to have that, that you have to have um, the climbing bike. So the answer is you need both. It's um, the, uh, Alex Sosa described it as the, the Mike Woods problem in that where Mike Woods will win a stage is on the steepest of climbs, but do you get him there with more energy reserves or do you get him there with a bike optimised for where he can win the race? Look, I think the, the future will see bike changes at the bottom of these sorts of climbs. Um, maybe the domestiques riding the aero bike to get the leader all the way to the bottom of that climb who's been in the shadow with the uh, with the climbing bike just for that uh, last punch up the up the mm-hmm. hill. Domestique riding the team leader's bike. We haven't seen that before. That could be interesting. Well, that could also be interesting, yeah. 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 But um, I thought that's what you meant. Oh, no, no. I meant, okay. I mean, sorry, I meant the, the domestiques riding. That's, that was, but I really like your your idea then just a bike swap between the two riders but um uh, no no i mean it's totally possible for the teams you know say you've got a, a final uh, 10 15 kilometer climb uh, at kilometer 30 from the finish uh, to do a bike change uh, you know with the team team car that's that you think the the energy expenditure coming back from a bike change would be outweighed by the change to a different bike I think if it's done in the right way and, you know, you've got the helpers, the rider's got the helpers with him to, mm. to bring it back, I think it's totally possible. Um, yeah, depends where you do it as well. But ultimately, the answer is you need two bikes. Okay. Uh, you need your climbing bike for the 5% of the races where it's decided on that climb. Uh, and for the rest of the time, um, you need uh, an aero bike. That's a fact. And will Van Rijssel have an aero bike on the way, do you know? or I believe there's um, something in the pipeline. Oh, so, okay. uh, um, yeah, the Van Rijssel, what's really cool is their very much committed to performance they understand the performance and uh they're not leaving any stones unturned so they're going to make sure they have everything they need to uh, compete at the very very top hmm. there's a few other brands that you have worked with a few other manufacturers you've worked with we'll, we'll touch on those and we'll uh if i if i stop you at a team and you've worked with that manufacturer just just let us know in case i've in case i miss any um but we'll move on from age to our uh, now for the moment we're trying to keep this podcast fairly short you have a flight to catch uh so next door to them here is bora hansgrohe we can sort of we can sort of take off two teams with one here because bora and sudal quickstep are on the same specialized setup specialized helmets specialized S- tarmac sl8 frames roval wheels uh, specialized tires 
Tell me, what are, what are you seeing with these teams? How how well optimized are they? What are, what are you noticing about this team? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm always, I've got to say, I'm very, very perplexed about um, specialized approach because I'd say their bike is one of the least aero bikes here on the circuit. Um, Even the SL8? Uh, yeah. Okay. And um, I just doesn't make sense. I mean, the laws of physics haven't really changed. So, um, you, know, uh, you know, but they've got their, their strategy. Uh, what's interesting looking uh, into the back of the uh, Bora Hansgrohe team here, as you can see, they've got um, two types of helmets. Mm -hmm. um, they've got their Evade, I think it's the Evade 3 helmet, uh, which is absolutely a benchmark error helmet. So, um, you know, they do a, a great job there. Uh, but we also saw some of the riders using their um, their other very ventilated helmet um, uh, and of course in the heat here in uh, in Adelaide in the last few days that's been very important but today's been a lot cooler mm -hmm. uh, you know we had a 23 degree day instead of a 38 degree day so yeah uh, you know helmets is also an important topic on the SL8 you're saying there it, it's they, they've, they've obviously in your opinion they've then too far towards the the all-rounder bike or the climber bike with that one can you claw any of that back with the wheels because I know that's that bike is shipped with 26 mil tires, if I'm correct, and you know, test 26 mil tires, you're gonna you're gonna get a better aero profile. Do you think is that maybe what they're working towards there, or? Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, the down tube um, really isn't. It's a down tube. That's uh, down down tube is particularly, um, let's say, non aero, and I think they they give a lot with that. Okay, they can probably make the bike lighter because it's quite large section. They can mm. make thinner walls, bring some additional stiffness, uh, but you know. Everyone's got their own philosophy, um, so you know that's obviously specialized philosophy. With the tires, um, the slick tires, uh, you know, without profile on them aren't good for aerodynamics. So um, we know that the, the cotton profiles that they use, the cotton tires, are extremely good for rolling resistance. But you know, it's a package, and you've got to have the combination of aero performance plus um, rolling resistance. So um, you know, personally, I'm I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, that's um every brand does what they feel is right and uh, you know perhaps they know something we don't you've mentioned in the podcast we recorded earlier this week about i'm not i'm going to paraphrase you here but basically what you were saying was it's the quickest way to the finish line that's most important uh, you're talking about formula one it's quickest lap time is really all that matters um looking here next team across is uh, well i'm going to i'm going to look at archaic samzik first because they do have an arrow and uh, and, uh, and a sort of do-it-all lightweight all-rounder frame. They've got the Ultra XR4 and the Specialissima. A lot of riders seem to be using the Specialissima. Do you think that is, they've looked and they've said, well, this is the fastest setup for the entire Tour Down Under? Or, yeah, just what's, what's going on there? You think they've got an aero bike, but they're choosing the all-rounder? Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for me, the all-rounders, um, yeah, uh, there are a lot of features on this bike that make no sense from an aerodynamics point of view. So I'd say this is a, a no aero bike. Um, so it's very much designed, obviously, to have maximum stiffness and, and minimum weight, mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, you know, which is fine, uh, you know, for, for, for what they're choosing. But, yeah, I think the aero bikes are a much better um, solution. Um, and especially on an attack like today, aero really was king. You know, those two climbs uh, had a certain level of importance, but particularly with the downhill um, stretch to the finish, mm -hmm. um, you know, it really was a sprinter stage. So it would have been an aero bike stage. Well, today's stage, you mentioned it there. Isaac Del Toro, UAE, won the stage. He was on Conago's V4RS there. A certain Tom Boonen had some scepticism about this, uh, the V4RS last season. Uh, he had suggested had Pogaccio been on a different bike, he might have won by even more. What's your thoughts? They've, they've certainly paid some arrow attention to this frame. They're sticking with the sort of all-rounder approach, so they've, they've taken clear measures to try and reduce the weight. Uh, but then when you look at the, the deep profile MV rims that they're running, 
you know, there, there, there seems to be a lot of consideration here for Aero. What's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a good all-round bike. Uh, I managed to take a look at one that had no paint on it uh, today. I don't know where that came from, but, okay. um, uh, you know, you can get really a look. Because sometimes with the paint, depending on how much filler they put on it, it sort of hides some of the the, the edges and, and the true lines. But, um, no, I think, it's a, I think it's a good all-round bike. Nothing that sort of stands out to me here. Uh, you know, only it's got a, a, very, a very thin fork. From an aero perspective, forks very important. The truncated profile on the rear of the fork or the cam tail, does that make up for the, the lack of depth or can yeah. you really not? In, in, this, in this case, it's a very, very narrow depth. So okay. um, I'd say that's uh, a little bit too, uh, too small, but I know it's also a styling consideration and, uh, you know, the Italian brands and also understandably, um, also a bit of weight. They put a lot of emphasis on that. But, you know, I think it's a, it's a reasonable bike, but you know, certainly not up there with, um, you know, top level aero bikes. They, they've got the, the MV cockpits on these bikes. Uh, MV just releasing a new SES AR flared drop handlebar today, or, well, uh, today as we're recording this. Not very many flared drops here, you know, I mean extremely flared drops. With the introduction of the lever angle rule recently, do you think we're going to see more flared drops and more extreme flares on drops to try and claw back some of the aero gains that riders might be losing with the new regulation? Yeah, I'm not sure if... Um there's really such a huge, uh, a huge gain there. You know, purely from an equipment point of view, um, we don't see any error gain from the from from the flare drops. But it seems to be more of what how the rider can can lay onto the drops and and position the the hoods there to get a more comfortable aero position. Um, yeah, like the levers alone turned in probably would test slower because you're increasing the frontal area. Of course, yeah. But, but it's it's, it's, it, it's getting there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's all about a rider integration um, thing. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. You know, uh, it's a two-piece um, stem and handlebar, mm. um, which we know is is always a compromise. Some of the riders also have a one-piece. I don't see any of the new MV cockpits here today. They're only they're only just released, and so there will be a third option even. And, and that, from what I understand, that'll have the the greater greater flare in the drops below the lever hood so you can keep your lever straight yep um but it does it does have quite a quite a flare on the, on the lower section of the drops yeah anyway but um mm. i mean i think uh, overall the envy handlebars look all right uh you know the integrated one side we're you know standing in front of this those of course you can't see what we're talking about but uh, yeah we've got two bikes in front of us here one has a uh, fully integrated stem and handlebar and one has uh has the sort of a round tube um center with a stem clamp uh, interesting is that uh, we talked about this in the other podcast where you wrap bar tape on the bars. Um, yes. I was looking at that today. Um, you know, some some teams wrapping bar tape onto the um, uh, onto the aero section. Um, others not. Here we've got both, one without, one with. <laughs> rider so, preference. Rider preference, perhaps. Um, but yeah, we know that's a, that's a small a small loss. But yeah, you know, obviously the rider's got to be comfortable as well. So. Um, like one thing about the MV wheel set setups here, they're they're you know they're obviously they're pretty wide rims, matched that with pretty wide tires. We see UE are running the the time trial version of the GP5000. Talk to me about how when you go wider. I measured today Pogacar's tires at the at the tour last year and measured what's was 32 millimeters if I remember correctly. Seems huge. What effect are you getting from wider tires? Does the rolling resistance gains? offset the aero drag uh in our measurements not but you do get more comfort you do get some some better grip in corners so uh where 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 the bigger tires um play a play a role is is more in the when you get really really rough stages let's take an extreme when you go on the pavé on the cobbles but yeah in general um interesting that they're running the uh, gp5000 tt tr so like you say that's the lighter carcass tire 
the only challenge, like it's it's got lower rolling resistance than the standard STR, but uh, it's more prone to punctures. So, you know, it's a it's a compromise that the, the teams have to take. You know, are they willing to accept some risk of some punctures over slightly lower rolling resistance? So, interesting choice here. Believe it or not, I heard recently that Ineos did the entire Tour de France on the TTTR tires and didn't have a single puncture. Wow, okay. for an entire tour, which seemed incredible. Yeah, it does does seem mm. uh, does seem incredible. Um, I mean, no matter how good your tires are, you would expect to have a puncture across. Yeah, you know, across eight riders and a three and a half thousand kilometer race or whatever distance it is. Yeah, yeah no, interesting, mm. interesting. Well, folks, very sorry, Ronan here again, interrupting you, or is it Dave? I'm not sure. I said it was Dave at the start, but either way, it's one of the Escape Collective here to let you know that unfortunately that's all you get if you're listening to the free version of this podcast. Again, I'm not going to bore you with all the details. We laid them out at the start, but if you want to hear the rest of this podcast and hear J.P. Ballard critique the rest of the World Tour setups, uh, or at least most of them, then you'll need to head over to escapecollective.com forward slash join and sign up today. Then we'll give you the rest. We promise. You'll get all the podcasts. Yes. All the, all yes. the podcasts. And it's very easy to do. 90 seconds some credit card details, and you're there. And it's probably worth mentioning that not only do you get access to the podcast, you also help with the creation of everything that we do at Escape Collective because we are wholly and solely member-funded. So without your support, well, we might not be able to do this forever. So yes, please consider joining and enjoy the rest of this podcast episode.